Welcome to the Waking Up to Money podcast. It's called Waking Up to Money because of its double meaning. Uh, we record these podcasts every Wednesday morning when we think most people are waking up. And what we talk about is the idea of waking up to your relationship to money and how that impacts how you do pricing in your business. So we believe that if you can shift that relationship, you can price your products and services in a way that positively impacts your business and the lives of your clients. We record these podcasts live so that we can invite guests to ask questions too. This means you'll hear about challenges and situations from people like you, and we ground the ideas and tactics we share in real-world situations. We hope you'll find these episodes a valuable resource as you try to work out what it means to price more powerfully and confidently. Our hope is by sharing these ideas, we'll stop you getting in your own way of making the money and impact that you want to make in your business. Enjoy. I had to join. <laughs> you arrived and they made you put you into a breakout room with that note. After 15 minutes or something. And so I had to do it because I couldn't leave this guy on his own. So I had to say, I'm really sorry. I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This is, I think that's that's the thing. I, well, I was thinking about this this morning because like I was, I was in my training gear and I thought, do I need to get changed? It's like, should it, you know, shouldn't it just be all authentic? You just turn up, maybe a bit bleary-eyed. So, yeah, I just had my coffee, drop the kids off. But we're going to do a webinar about pricing now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I see some place. I was on a, I was on one yesterday, some coach guy, fascinating ideas. But people are, like, turned up, dressed up, made up, and all that stuff. It's like, wow, this is, like... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of mixed opinions about the whole yeah. authenticity. For webinars. Yeah. No, I, was, webinars. I, was, I know. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Like I was uh, the other day I was getting dressed, which isn't that weird. And uh, <laughs> But I was looking like where my clothes hang up and there's all these clothes, which like I used to wear in the olden days when I went to actually have meetings. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, those things just look like they're kind of artifacts from a different time. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got our own little mini museums now, haven't we? Exactly. <laughs> yes. yes. Once right. upon a time, I wore this. It's called a shirt. <laughs> yeah. uh, exactly. Shirts. So many shirts in my wardrobe that have never been touched in the past five years. Apart from, of course, funerals and weddings and all that stuff. But yeah and even yeah even more so now it's like so many outdoor clothes that haven't been touched in the past nine months yeah. <laughs> now yeah. it's tracks bottoms and pajamas yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you've been busy becky lots of mediation going on at the moment yeah it's been really busy it just suddenly took off in september um it's like everything that had been put on hold during lockdown just all kind of came back with a vengeance. Um, so yeah, it's been it, it's been good to be busy again because it it kind of all fell off a cliff in March. So I had a few months that were quite you know just trying to get everything online and um, and trying to kind of build it all up. Uh, so yeah, it's been busy. This has been the first week where I um, haven't got loads on, so it's been quite nice. I even managed a half hour nap yesterday. Um, oh, brilliant! Inspired by Lawrence's pricing manifesto, I think, or your pricing manifesto. Or yeah, yeah. 
which point is that? I think it's like point six or no, something. No, no. Eight. It's number eight, but it should be number one. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Oh dear, that's so indulgent, but I was just remembering that manifesto. I thought, you know, this is this is why we, we do what we do. Exactly. <laughs> Autonomy. That's what we want. And this is kind of where why we're where we're doing this stuff. Ben, your video seems to have switched off. I'm not sure if it's uh you did this on purpose because you're um no. getting changed in your suit. <laughs> well then yeah, it was it was Becky still Becky suggested it was inappropriate to come to a webinar in your pajamas, so I thought I'd better turn my video off. Uh, no, I'm not I'm not actually wearing pajamas and my video shouldn't be off. My light's on. It looks to me like I'm on. Shall I come out and come in again? I can see. Yeah, why don't you jump out, jump in again? Um, hi, Susie. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Okay, I'll, I'll come out anyway. Cool. Well, yeah, jump in and jump out, and then we'll kick off when we're back. When you're back, um, we've got Susie from Stratford upon Avon. Thank you for posting a little message there. We really appreciate that. Um, cool. And I think we also have Nancy with us as well. So, hi, Nancy. Um, if If you feel comfortable, let us know. Where you're calling in from, um, and also be curious to to know. Also, hey, Ben's back. We can see him now. Brilliant, like the suit. Um, <laughs> I'd be uh, curious to hear what kind of businesses uh, you're running, uh, Susie and Nancy. Um, if it because then we can, if there's any context or uh, overlap with what we're going to be talking to Becky about, then um, we can also relate it to you. And also, if you have any questions for Ben. In the meantime, then um, uh, yeah, please post them into comments, and we'll try and get to them at some point. Or if if they're particularly relevant or timely, we we can might jump onto them right there. Uh, but I know uh, you're probably here to to listen more about uh, kind of from Ben uh, and some ideas and thoughts and kind of the the theme the the broad theme today was around <clears throat> getting out of your own way. Um, and actually, for those of you who just jumped on, I, I, I'm kind of assuming you all know what, what's going on here. This is the second of our happy pricing clinics um, with Ben Johnson here. He's uh, kind of the pricing coach who's been working with us at the Happy Startup School, kind of sharing his wisdom and knowledge around how to help you price more confidently and courageously in our businesses. I think for... A lot of us who are purpose-driven, who really want to do, change the world and make an impact uh, in a way that feels positive, we want, we want to share that gift with as many people as possible. And so it can be very challenging to think about pricing, particularly when you feel that there are people who are going to benefit from your work that can't. Uh, and that can affect your business because then you're, you're essentially coming with that baggage around uh, having any negotiations with people who could afford more. And so, you know, part of our um, mission here is to help you get control of that so that you can be in more more control of who, uh, what to price and to whom. Uh, and I know that doesn't sound particularly easy and a bit challenging, and that's why we're here. And so we're hoping with these kind of conversations and also with the course that we're starting next week, that anyone who, who wants to be able to make more impact and not be held back by ideas around how much they're allowed to charge, uh, to basically un be unshackled from that and essentially be able to use money in, a, in the way that best suits them and the people they want to help. So I hope uh, this morning's conversation is going to be of, of use. I think to begin with, a, a little bit of a, a, a check-in and an intro for 
for us so that um, Susie and Nancy can where we're coming from. So, Ben, do you want a bit of a check in with you? Yeah, um, happy to be here. Uh, happy, Becky, that you joined us this morning. Really enjoyed talking about these things. Yeah, get excited talking about these things, not just the kind of pricing bit, because obviously pricing is the thing that it says on the label. Uh, but of course, this all really goes to the heart of how we go about our work, how we go about our days, really. Uh, and so very much enjoy the opportunity to talk about this. So appreciative of that. Cheers, Ben. And Becky, how are you arriving today? Good. Yeah, I've had a um, had quite a, uh, a well a stress free morning, I guess. No, no meltdowns from anyone, kids or adults. <laughs> That's a good start to the day. Um, yeah, and good to be here. Looking forward to this. Thanks, Becky. I, I resonate with the whole. We're all parents here on the call today. Um, and it's interesting that kind of balance between family running your running your family and running your business, um, uh, and with all these things to juggle, um, it sometimes feels like we don't have enough time to focus on on the business stuff because we're dealing with family stuff. And so the more I think, the more we can get help and support with with various aspects, the better. Uh, I'm just conscious that everyone's video has, has, has switched off. Am, am I still here? You're can still, you still hear? Yeah, yeah and okay. see you. Brilliant. Okay, good. Uh, I'm going to do something just a bit drastic. I'm going to try and change my internet connection because it could be the beautiful weather today is just killing my um, killing my broadband. But uh, all right, I'll do that in a sec. Cool. Okay. Hi, Fran. Uh, Fran's joining us from Bath. Thank you. Welcome. Um, so why don't we kick off, uh, Becky, by sharing? Uh, where you're coming from, where you're at with pricing and what it is. Uh, tell a little bit of a, a story of um, the kind of the, the questions that you're playing with when it comes to pricing. Great. Um, so I, I um, should I say a little bit about what I do um, for those that don't know. Um, so I, I'm a, um, I, I run a company called Courage Lab, which I only launched recently. Um, Although I've been doing this work for a long time. Uh, and so my work's all about courageous conversations. It's helping teams and leaders to have courageous conversations. So a lot of my work is working with teams in uh, conflict. I'm a mediator. Um, so I, I help people to um, find a way through conflict. Uh, so it's quite kind of intense, uh, complex work. Um, and then I also do a lot of work with teams that are kind of maybe good, but senior teams in particular that want to be great and helping them to. Um, we've got. I've got an echo now. I've got my own echo. Carlos <laughs> 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 whizzing around the screen. Uh, <laughs> is that better? It's the weather. The weather. Blame me on the weather. Oh, um, that's better now. Uh, yeah, so uh, so I do a lot of mediation with teams, and then I also do workshops, coaching for leaders um, and others to help them to have courageous conversations, um, particularly around conflict, but it could be change, crisis, um, uncertainty. So there's a lot of it needed at the moment. Um, and in terms of my kind of pricing challenges, I guess, 
I, I think they probably, I said to you, Carlos, before this call, I think I think they go quite deep, to be honest. I probably need some financial therapy. Uh, no, I think I think that what I find challenging is that I, I'm providing um, a really, I guess, really high value service. I know that deep down, I know that I know that what I deliver is um, kind of high end. I'm often working with senior teams and I'm I'm putting my all into it. it. It's exhausting work. And I know that not many people could do it because I've been doing this for 20 years now and not many people specialize as I do in, in working with teams that are in a really difficult place. And I know I can kind of work magic with those teams, um, uh, but it's full on. Um, and I get the kind of toughest cases and stuff, but I, it's really difficult to, I find it difficult to price highly enough really to, uh, for the value that I think I deliver. Um, I can go into that a bit more, kind of why that is, but I think I often underprice um, and undervalue what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You've okay. frozen, Carlos, but I'm not sure whether you can still hear. Oh, he's he's frozen. We can, we can carry on and he may, he may reappear when, <laughs> when the rain stops. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of curious. Can you, what, can you? So, what types of clients do you work with? Well, it's a real range. Um, I guess because conflict's everywhere. So, I've never, I, I've never uh, niched really. Although I do have a, I've, I have ended up with having having a lot of clients in the NHS, a lot of public sector clients, but particularly NHS. And I also have a lot of, I, I've got some background in the charity sector. <clears throat> so I know a lot of people in the charity sector and um, I do get quite a few clients through from charities, um, you know, le- leaders in charities, which I guess is another kind of element of the challenge I face around pricing because I don't, I want it to be accessible for them, the work that I provide, because um, they're often getting in touch because they're in quite a difficult, very difficult place. Um but I have worked, um, in addition to public sector and charity sector, I have worked a lot with um, private businesses, big and small. So, um, you know, financial services um, through to kind of small businesses. Um, so I've got a range. I, I, I there's a although I haven't specialised in a sector, I have probably worked in every every kind of industry name really over the last twenty years. Um, but yeah, but public and private is kind of what I was kind of what I was curious about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the, the challenges are quite different in the different sectors in terms of the cultural challenges, you know, the public sector and uh charity sector, there's often a challenge around there. There's this kind of niceness, feeling like you have to be nice all the time and and so a lot of conflict gets shoved under the carpet, and that might be quite different in some bigger private sector clients. It, it, the challenges is can be that the client their culture is is too harsh and they're trying to they're wanting to learn empathy so um i quite enjoy that diversity to be honest of, of uh challenge mm, okay and i'm kind of curious in something that you were saying in the uh just the the beginning bit there um what's your challenge about pricing again can you just sort of explain that a little bit yeah um well i i, I struggle to there's a few things, but one is that it always takes me a bit too long. I deliberate for quite a while about it. And something that you, I think one of you wrote about, um, it was in, I think it's in something that you wrote, Ben. I can't remember where I saw it now, but around, uh, 
I'll kind of I'll write a proposal. The, most of it's easy. The pricing I spend ages thinking about it. I then put it together, and then I go back in and I probably discount, and I or I have a real or sometimes I go the other way, but it's really painful process, and I then feel guilt about it. I worry about it. Uh, I think, well, how's that come across? I think I worry about. Um, I don't want to be greedy, and I also don't want to seem greedy. I don't want that to affect the rapport with the client. Um, I, but I also don't want to give stuff away too cheaply because I know that there's a cost to that in terms of my time and family and everything else. And I know that, um, you know, there's an unfairness if I'm not charging enough. Um, but I think it is around kind of feeling guilt about charging too much. Um, and so, and even when I try not to move away from kind of a day rate, which I'm trying to move away from that kind of thinking and to think more about what value am I delivering. I think I still calculate it based on how many days is this going to take me. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it, I just a lot of kind of limiting stuff around pricing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Am I back? You, you are. are. <laughs> You're okay. in the room. I'm in the room. Sorry. <laughs> Apologies. Bright weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, that 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 does that does all make sense. So um, a lot of negotiating with yourself. So deliberating on it a lot. So obviously you're negotiating with yourself and probably doing an expert job at negotiating with yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, expertly I negotiating to... yourself down. Yeah, or <laughs> well, sometimes up, but um, but then feeling a lot of hang-ups around it. <laughs> yeah, and um, so and so yeah. So sometimes 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 it's gone up. And so what what's how does how do these things kind of typically land when they when you then send them back over the fence? Well, um, a couple of it was interesting actually because there were two two bits of work that I costed up recently where I or actually not not both recently but fairly and um, with both of them I I took on board some of your tips actually um, Ben from. Uh, again, various things I've read, and I oh, I knew the podcast that you you guys did um, with Happy Startup, which was great. And I so I did some anchoring. I did options. I went for kind of three options, and I assumed that they'd go in for the the lowest one or maybe the middle one. But with the, these both of them, they came back in and wanted the highest one. And I was really it was I was really kind of like pleasantly surprised. I was also kind of annoyed with myself because I'd still probably it still probably wasn't high enough to be honest because. Mm. I chucked quite a lot into those higher price options. And then I'm, you know, it's still, you know, it's going to be a lot of work and probably not quite enough money for the amount of work. Um, but it, that was kind of a good, good confidence boost that actually they, they, it showed that, it, and, and that with both of those clients, they were the right kind of clients in that they were, in terms of the, although I don't mind what sector I work with, I, I do like working with a particular type of client or leader, i.e. someone who is courageous, someone who wants to be courageous. So it's kind of, I like working with leaders who really want to um, grow, learn through working with me. So they're not just wanting a quick fix to a toxic problem. They're actually wanting to um uh, yeah, learn how can they stop this from happening in the future? Embed, embed kind of change into their culture and their systems, um, and and their and how they treat their people. So um, both of those two clients would fit the bill on that. So I think in some ways it isn't it shouldn't have been a surprise that they went for the higher priced option because they really want change, longer term change, not just a quick fix. 
and they get it they get that and they and they also want to value what i do and value what i bring um but then there'll be some where it's the other way around you know and often it's probably because they are the you know the wrong kind of client but they're just they're haggling down and and it's hard when it's i find it hard when it's a charity sector client in particular because I guess some of the reasons for my guilt around pricing or blocks around pricing is that I do, I, I, the work I do, it, it, my ultimate motivation is to change the world and change the world of work um, to make it kind of happier, more em- empathic. Um, and, and I find it hard when I can see that there's a really difficult problem um, and I want to fix it. And I kind of know I can. And I know that the charity sector is really stretched and I don't want it to be, I don't want to out. I, I don't want to uh, for some some clients to not be able to afford afford me. So I think that's the challenge. And I guess ultimately where I want to get to is I'd like to be able to earn more for what I do so that I can do more more low low price stuff with charities because I I already do a lot of voluntary work for charities and I'd like to be able to do more or more or more kind of affordable work for charities. But I can only do that really if I if I earn more with the clients that can afford it. Um, yeah. yeah so it sounds like you've got a really good motivation in there yeah yeah is i definitely um yeah that's the, the uh that's why i do what i do really it's the change that i want to see in the world um yeah and then also then the motivation about sort of pricing so how, how does that sort of sit with you because we're sort of talking there you know wanting to be able to do more stuff for more people for more organizations so kind of the breadth of organizations who have very different means to pay and sort of appreciating that given the breadth some have more means to pay some have you know much less means to pay <clears throat> and a kind of feeling and understanding that actually if these people up here can pay more to the value of what you're doing it does allow more of these things how does that i mean do you kind of believe that story Good question. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think I do. Yeah, I guess hearing you play that back, I just made me realise that I need to probably be more um, intentional about it to make it work. As in, I probably need to work out, okay, what proportion do I need to get from the bigger players? So that and how much time do I want to be able to give, or what proportion of my work do I want to be able to give, or I, not necessarily give away, but do for a kind of a really low rate um and um because otherwise it won't it, it, it i guess because i'm so i'm well connected in the charity sector so inevitably what happens is a lot of that work kind of comes in um more easily the other stuff i have to kind of maybe work a bit harder to get the bigger stuff um and so there's a risk of just being run ragged all the time doing kind of lower priced stuff um but I, I think I do believe it. And I guess there's always a there's always a challenge around the, um, you know, there's, there's some clients that I've had that I know that they won't balk at price. And so, I mean, I still don't go, I probably still don't go as high as I should, but I might go, I'll go higher than I usually would because I know that the value that, that they're going to get is is really high. You know, because sometimes the work I'm doing, it will stop people leaving. It, it takes a team from not being completely dysfunctional a few teams i've worked with recently where they they're literally avoiding each other um not getting work done the teams maybe not they're not making money because they're in such a mess 
um, and everyone's either off, people are either off sick or they're leaving or about to leave. And the journey I take them on at the end of just maybe three days working with them quite intensively, um, they're at the end of it, they're feeling hopeful. They're thinking about the strategy and direction of the team and they're, they're connecting with each other again and, in, and laughing again. You know, it's a really powerful um, process I take, take people through. So with the, with the bigger clients that can afford it, I, I, um, I know that I can charge more, but there's still, you know, I guess maybe I still feel a bit of a, uh, I still kind of want those, I think the idea would be for them to still be the people that I want to work with, you know, for the, it's a still, it still be their intention to be coming from a good place where they're actually wanting to build a healthy culture. Um, I don't really want to be doing the, just, just fix this problem, um, work for big corporates to be honest mm-hmm. where it's probably a really rotten culture and and it's set from the top um i like to be able to bring about kind of what bigger changes um does that make sense yeah it does yeah. and and you know that <coughs> hugely valuable work yeah hugely valuable work but you kind of know that right so like you say the you know if an organization is dealing with you know lots of people leaving you know the the kind of disruptive cost of that is obviously very very high the actual cost of that is very very high and so you know there is real you know kind of financial you were solving real problems that translate to an actual kind of financial cost Uh, and and the only reason i sort of say that is just to sort of remind you of that um because you know a lot of what we're sort of talking about here is is about you know talking more to the problems that you're solving. But I, I think the thing is that you sort of, you understand all of this. So I know because you sort of read the various things and we've sort of, you know, had sort of various conversations and I know you've been practicing this and I know you know in your heart that actually the value of what you do is very high. Uh, the issue is that's not the issue, right? So you know that there is a value. You also understand because of what you've just been saying to me that, that your clients are not buying mediation. They're buying a problem being solved and the problem being solved, just like the example you said there, is you know stopping people leaving getting people feeling positive aligned kind of invested in the organizational purpose so you know there is huge value in that and uh, one of the most important things is understanding what a client is buying but, but I, again i think you know all of these things so i think the, the the kind of challenge for you a little bit is you know these things actually you have a really good motivation not for your work but i mean not only for your work, of course, you do for your work, but also a good kind of motivation to sort of come back to when you are wrestling with the pricing thing a little bit, um, you know, which, you know, about this kind of balance. And and I don't kind of play that back to you because I'm sort of saying to you, you need to kind of overcomplicate it in your mind by thinking, shit, I need to do some analysis to know what the kind of weighting of these things are. Yeah, maybe in time, but actually just the kind of spirit of there is a kind of thing going on here that actually all clients, all clients, have a different means to pay mm-hmm. and like you you it's interesting you kind of you refer to the charity sector but i guess if i was to ask you is there uniformity in the charity sector no you're you're spot on and actually the, it's probably because my i've mostly worked with small or medium-sized charities so for small charities it's completely different to, um to yeah big big charities that are kind of like corporations in some ways um yeah, and I quite like probably to work more with those because I like what they're doing in the world, but they often have quite toxic cultures. Um, mm, yeah. So, 
that's probably a sector I'd quite like it. Or, or I've worked with the UN in the past, for instance, a long time ago, but that was wonderful. And that's the whole, obviously it's not profit making, but it, they've got a lot of resource. So it's that whole other ball game. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the thing around that, you know, even so, even within that, and I guess even within the segment of charities that you kind of do a lots with, you know, the kind of small or medium size, even within all of those, I'd imagine there is variation and there's variance and there's, you know, different means to pay. There's different problems that, you know, the cost of the problem that you're solving, it kind of varies and differs. And the, the reason I sort of say all of this is quite often when we're in this position as a sort of supplier looking out to the, the kind of world, our kind of world of customers, you know, we just see a mass. We see a single mass. They are our customers over there. They are our clients. They might be charity, whatever they are, it doesn't matter. Like we just see this kind of mass that they are over there. And quite often one of the traps that we fall into is that somehow when we're selling anything, which is linked to pricing too, that I'm kind of, I'm sort of, it's something that I'm doing to you. Like I'm selling you this. So I'm kind of making you buy it or I'm being too greedy. I, so it's me doing something to you. But of course that isn't really what's happening because everybody is free to choose whether they are going to work with you or not. And it was interesting actually just kind of picking up on something that you sort of said when we were talking before the call started, we were joking about the idea of whether clients were watching, right? And the, the kind of risk that that might be. And actually it's a really interesting point that that brings up because what that, I think the, the fear that we have somehow, A, you know, I'm charging too much. Somehow I'm tricking people to pay me money that actually I don't deserve, right? So like you say, there's a whole there's a whole range of kind of questions around that. But I think really the thing that I'm kind of keen to get people to just kind of sort of be comfortable with is all we're trying to get people to do, all we're keen for people to do is understand firstly, everybody has very different means to pay, right? And that is, you know, you you kind of speak about that as a as a as a kind of positive motivation. And that's kind of right. That I I wouldn't suggest that the outcome of people investing in understanding pricing is all of a sudden they're just charging everybody a shitload of money, right? Because that's just not how the world works. But fundamental to what we're talking about is the value of your work changes on a case-by-case, client-by-client basis. And actually what a project might be worth with a client one week might actually be worth very, very different three weeks later or three months later or whatever the time period is irrelevant. The, the, just the point being, because you're solving these problems and because you have a clarity that you, an understanding that that's what you're doing, the cost of the problem is kind of always different, actually, and is partly about means to pay, partly about context, partly about constraint, partly about organizational specifics. But the reason I, I sort of say all of this is... I think, you know, you actually your motivation, which is I want to be able to offer the thing that I do for a range of different organizations is clearly really important, but also the point about pricing, right? Like actually there might be an organization at this end of the scale that has very little means to pay and a big problem to solve. Great, I'm going to work with them and they are going to pay appropriately. And then there is a client at this end of the spectrum who has a very big problem that I'd really like to help with, and they are going to pay appropriately. Mm -hmm. And the reason I made the reference to the kind of joke we were having about where the clients were watching, mm -hmm. in some respects, you know, imagine we were doing this with all of your clients in the room. Actually, I think that would be a really useful exercise because mm -hmm. I'm not saying the outcome here is all of a sudden you've got tools and tactics to rip everybody off. 
Yeah. All I'm saying is there is a, there is almost like a media, you know, if you took the mediator's approach to arriving at a proposal with a client that kind of reflects that they have an understanding and appreciation of the problem that you're solving, you have an understanding and an appreciation of the problem that they want to solve, and you arrive at this kind of mutually acceptable start point. Yeah. And the mutually acceptable start point, of course, includes some reference to money because that's a key part of the exchange. And this this does go a little bit to sales for me. I think people feel that selling is something that I do to somebody else. But selling isn't something that I do to somebody else. Selling is something like the way I kind of feel about it is like all you're doing, you're kind of working with somebody to envisage something in the future and you're working out how to get there. And so it's not, you know, you can never make somebody, well, really, you can't make somebody do something, but you can sort of envisage a future scenario and work out how to get there. And that's just about conversation and discussion and understanding what it is that the other party is trying to do and why they're trying to do it. And, you know, like I said, the cost and money is part of that. And so I think that trying to get you to a place where you have some space around this, some freedom a little bit to understand this is not about being greedy. It's not about just all of a sudden charging everybody more. Like I know in some of the talk around this, we talk about pricing boldly. But actually, mm. boldly isn't more. Mm. Boldly is just appropriately, right? So I, you know, company A has this means to pay. Company M has this means to pay. Boldly for me is that the client pays the right, the amount that's appropriate for them. Mm. But, I, but you know, for, that doesn't just mean everybody pays a little. Yeah. It means that everybody pays appropriately for them. And ultimately, they will only pay what they can pay. Hmm. But, you know, the, the kind of opportunity is to explore that with them a little yeah. bit. And that's why I kind of make reference to actually imagine all the clients were on this today, because the outcome actually that would be useful is my intent, you know, Becky's intent, is that I explore this a little bit with clients beforehand. And, and I don't mean like this needs to then get into like a whole big kind of, you know, a time intensive dialogue backwards and forwards where we sit down in the virtual pub talking about the kind of money and all the rest of it. But actually, the thing that you do in order to do your work, I don't doubt because of all of your, your expertise and your experience, you understand the problem that they're solving, you know, and you know, you can't go into what you're doing without understanding the problem that you're solving. And actually, there's probably a few very simple questions you could add into that process that painted a little bit of a picture about what the financial cost of that is. And all we're then talking about, if you understand, well, okay, so you you employ 10 people, Mr. or Mrs. Charity or organization or whatever, and um, you know, 20% of these people are leaving every year because they don't like it. You know, okay, you know, so are you replacing those roles? Yes. What's the average cost of replacing the role? Okay, you know, it's 20% of what the salary is. Okay, so you know you were you were spending Mrs. Mr. Charity, I don't know, ten ten thousand pounds a year on replacing these people. You know, all of a sudden there there you have an anchor. And and by that, again, I just reference back this is not about tricking people to be able to pay more. It's just about understanding what the value of it is, the work that you're doing. And so that's also not about saying that therefore you, Mr. or Mrs. Client, now need to pay me £3,000 for my one hour with you because the problem that I'm solving is £10,000 to you. But it is a reference point for you to talk to them about. And, and I think that's that's kind of what we're 
I think what we're hoping for people is that you get a confidence to understand not all clients are the same, which you kind of know, but know that wholly, not just to keep yourself at a low thing. No, not all clients are the same. So not all clients have the the same means to pay, which you know. Not all clients want to pay the same amount, which you know. But you know all of these things one way. You know all of these things from a, no, they don't want to pay very much. But there are equally clients who have more means to pay and have an expectation that they would pay more. Uh, and, you know, like you say, where you've played around with kind of options and people have gone for the higher one, you know, I would say, and I kind of mean this in the best spirit, clearly if they've gone for the higher one, it probably wasn't enough. <laughs> but again, I, and the reason I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek and reluctantly is just to because it confuses the point. I'm not so the goal of this boldness is not all of a sudden everybody paying me more. It's genuinely accepting where some people want to pay less, can only pay less. Some people want to genuinely want to and can and need to pay more because it's you know like you know pricing is a signal. And mm -hmm. so their level of comfort for you that solves with 20 plus years of expertise that solves the most complicated problems um, for the most, you know, most kind of gnarly complicated problems for some organizations, not all, maybe very few, but for some organizations, actually, you are not talking to the level of expertise you bring by pricing too low. Yeah. Yeah, that's spot on. And, and actually, um, it was interesting recently, a new client kind of got in touch with me after listening to the podcast I was um, interviewed on. And um, and and she, she so it was a kind of um, a new client, kind of quite a full client. And she, she kind of said, I know, I know your premium. Or something. She said, yeah, I know, because she'd heard this podcast. And um and that was kind of a really nice starting point because I, you know, I have worked a bit on positioning and stuff to try and to insert that obviously some of it is about my mindset as well as um, branding, but to, to position myself as, as as premium because I am providing a premium service in terms of how much experience I've got um, and uh, and how much time I put into it and the level, you know, how how high that I'm often working at a very senior level in an organisation. So that it's only the price that doesn't always match that. So it was really nice to say. And then when I, I suggested a price to her, she said, and I went, uh, I think I did do a better job with pricing that time. I kind of priced what um, I priced boldly, um, and she said, you could tell she it was maybe well. She basically said, rather than she, her response was, um, uh, I, I know it's an investment in dot, 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 and it's worth it because it will save us an employment tribunal that could cost 20 grand, you know, um, down the line and et cetera, et cetera. And I know it's kind of worth the investment. So it's quite nice in some ways she didn't, she wasn't really thinking about how much it was. She was more just thinking this is an investment. So, yeah, I think, I think you're, you're, I agree with that about pricing being a signal. Um, yeah, and really, really useful. Everything you're just saying around the the anchor reference point as well um, that can be done, you know, kind of finding that through the conversations with the client around our prospect um, uh, to work out kind of what is this costing them. I think that's really helpful as well. Mm. Um, yeah, a really useful question to ask is what is the cost of not doing this? Yeah. Yeah. 
Lots of great stuff there. And, and anyone who's listening at the moment, if, if any kind of comment uh, or suggestion that springs to mind, please type something in the chat. Or if you have a follow-on question, given what Ben's been talking about, because there's a lot of rich information in there. I'd love to hear your questions. Just type them there. From um, listening to this conversation, what sprang to mind, this, firstly, this, what we're offering here, what we're talking about, is just one part of a bigger puzzle. Um, and uh, one of the questions that we ask on the course is what, what could more money buy you? And, and in the, with Becky here, what I'm hearing is what money, money could buy you is to be able to fulfill this mission mm -hmm. of helping more people who can't afford the, the work. And so there's an added piece here around thinking about not so much personally, you know, I get a better house or put my kids through a nicer school or whatever it is that we might think that more money will buy us. In this very specific case, more money is also about a mission. And I think one of the challenges we all have as solo founders or business owners is we don't have enough time or we don't invest enough of our own time just to think about that. And I think there's something a lot of the time we go through price or go through our businesses, run our businesses, just chasing our tail and not thinking about actually, how could I make this easier for myself? How can I stop myself starting from the same point every single time with a client of thinking, <laughs> how much is it enough? And we can have a much easier sort of process around it. But even still, when I think about this idea of process, it isn't. It feels like for me, this whole idea of pricing is a practice. Mm. It's something that you don't just learn off a book and you're done. It's something that we have to engage with on a regular basis and have conversations about. And this is where even myself, listening to you both talk, new ideas or new perspectives on how I think about pricing come up. And so it's it's really important, I think, rather than just silo yourself with this these questions to share as many as you can with people that you trust to, to kind of like bounce ideas off of and, and, and get to some of the crunchy questions that like Ben was saying is like, what is it that you're trying to do with pricing more? Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that. And I love that. Um, yeah. The what would more money buy me? And you're right. It is about being able to do, um, do more, offer more, um, achieve that kind of personal mission in terms of supporting leaders or teams that really need it. Um, and as well as the the stuff around um, my own kind of well-being and family and all of that, and it's not really sustainable. It's not sustainable to have to be selling my time purely selling my time, particularly if it's at not at the high and high enough day rate because um, the work is so intensive that you know I'm broken by the weekend when I you know from uh, if I have to do two or three days of really intense facilitation a week. And I'm part-time away with two little kids. Um, it's just not sustainable. So it's partly about just a more sustainable life as well, like an abundant living, but not about being wealthy, more about, um, yeah, more time. <laughs> uh, I think that's what it's about. Um, more helpful. Um, Something that um, Ben said around, uh, there's an interesting point about uh, different clients have different means to pay or different uh, yeah. abilities to pay. But also those same clients at different times will have different, will, will value something differently or want to pay a certain amount of money differently. 
So it becomes quite complex when you're trying to think about this. But I did. It did remind me of so one of the Simon Bachelor from the community, uh, listening to his uh, podcast or having his conversa conversation with him. You know, he's a, he's a marketing agency and he works with businesses who can spend lots of money on marketing and SEO and all that stuff. But he wants to work with more people, and so he had to create essentially a new offering that allows him to work with more people who can't afford the high agency stuff. But what it's done now, in my eyes, it's created a very clear set of options. Mm. You work with me this way, one to one, and it's gonna be a certain amount of money, or you work with me this way, and it's gonna be different, and it's this much money, but both in a similar vein of helping you market yourself better. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, you know, for me, it's that when Ben was talking about options and, and different clients can pay different amounts of money, it's like not always you offering the same thing to everyone at different prices. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really helpful. Into it. Yeah. Um, I like to be the one, yeah, like you say, one to one versus group programs, or yeah, I, li I like that. Um, yeah. Um, the other thing that sprang to mind that was was quite interesting is the, and I think I think the thing that I, even myself and Lawrence can get stuck on, and a lot of people, is just that vision of, it doesn't have to happen all right now, but where mm. am I going to get to? <laughs> mm. Like, what are the stepping stones towards having high ticket clients who value me loads of money, um, loads, <laughs> who value me so much that they're willing to pay this much money, and then mm. have this other group of people that I help as well and how does that look and then okay with that picture in mind rewinding stepping back from to now and say okay what do I do now to get to there yeah um, it's yeah. just raising prices all the time yeah it's like courage lab as an airline <laughs> you know the airline basically has all different kind of means to pay on there Everyone's going to the same, doing the same thing. We're getting on a plane and we're going somewhere. But, you know, everybody really pays quite different amounts of money. And so everybody's welcome. You just are you're kind of welcome in different ways. I know, you know, the airline analogy only goes so far. But the point about it is kind of is sort of relevant. I think, you know, there will be some clients where the value of what you're doing and their ability to kind of pay to that is greater. So therefore, you know, it's kind of possible the boldness for them is one thing and there will be other clients who have different means to buy at different contexts boldness for them means something else and i think boldness maybe we should not be talking about boldness we should be talking about confidence yeah. because i think it's just confidence to to meet the client where they are yeah it reminded me as well of um one of the points of the manifesto is is as a point three um being able to say no you know, mm. and it's not. And the way I would say for people who feel like they want to help everyone, it isn't no forever. It's just no, not, not now. Mm -hmm. It's like it's not. You know, it's not the right time for you to be able to help them at that price. Maybe down the line when you're able to um, build the sustainability within there, but it's yeah. it's not going to help them on the long term if you're not around to help them later. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've been trying to. I've been practicing saying no a bit recently it's felt good i've been saying no to the stuff i learned some hard lessons since september as it got busier you know there's that 
feast and famine dynamic of mm-hmm. when you of um you know working for yourself and um after famine because of lockdown and covid then suddenly there's all this work coming in but at the beginning they were saying yes to stuff because they didn't know if anything else would come in and then the and then stuff did come in it's like why did i take that on uh so i'm starting to say no to the stuff that doesn't energize me you know the stuff that um where actually i you know it's not what i'm specializing in it's not workplace conflict for instance it's something else um or not workplace related or uh or the software i really just don't want to work with that client so i'm starting to say no more there but i probably need to be more willing to say no to to, or to lose stuff on price i guess to say it because in some ways that is a way of saying no isn't it it's kind of yeah um i think that's a really really important thing and yeah it would give yourself interesting when something comes in which you don't feel is right for you rather than saying no say that you do it but you only do it for and give them a really high price and like a ridiculous so price yourself out of it and just see what happens yeah i once tried that with something i really didn't want to do and then they still went for it and uh, yeah, but you can still say no but that's why i say it's a kind of that's the one i regretted but um yeah <laughs> and i should have charged triple because it was such a headache and it yeah. Yeah, exhausting but yeah i think i i like that it's kind of a way of just you know uh if it does come in then you know that you're being paid well for it but if it doesn't exactly and you can still you can still so we had that when i was running my company we were approached you know the classic thing you get asked you know help out on this pitch it will be really good everybody you know will win and everyone will get like a massive thing and it's all like a massive time wasting tire kicking thing it was for people we weren't really that keen on and they were in australia as well and it just had the just it just stank of just total time waste and my business partner was really keen to do it. And I sort of said to them, this is going to be a total time waste. It will be pointless. And so uh, I basically told them that we would help them. And I told them that we would charge them 100 grand, thinking that they would go away. For, this was basically for like two weeks' work, kind of hoping, because they were in Australia as well. So it was also a massive pain in the ass. Uh, and uh, they went, OK. Oh, are they on huh? the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they said okay and it was like shit so then you've got a real decision about whether you were going to do it obviously we did because it was 100 grand for two weeks work but it's, the thing is that actually we have no idea yeah. what the means are and and by and you know they were property developers and it serves them right really but the point is true anyway actually we have no idea what's yeah. really going on yeah. on the other side of the table you know we come with all of these assumptions good and bad and actually we just don't know actually. yeah yeah i think that i, I love that that's brilliant and what so then what would you suggest you know what you were describing around like that thing of we have no idea kind of what's going on from the other side of the table and the what you were saying around um kind of finding that mutually acceptable starting point any tips for how to actually do that? Because um, so I do loads of you're right that I do loads of kind of quite careful um, needs analysis, I guess, before doing a proposal. I have to because um, I, I obviously I need to really understand what the problem is. Quite a bespoke um, process. So um, yeah, but yeah, that in itself is kind of takes a lot of time. But um, but yeah, and and I do tend to ask if they have, you know, if they have a, a budget for this, for, um, and I obviously have a sense of the organisation from that what they say and or what they're 
kind of how they yeah from how they answer that but do you any kind of other t- and i know i like that question around what's the cost of not doing this sometimes mm-hmm. i might be brave enough to ask that one but um <laughs> uh, what what about is there any other kind of tips you'd offer for how to practically do that how to kind of get to that you know how to negotiate that almost before putting a price into a proposal or mm-hmm. into a proposal um, so, yes, yeah, so th- there's a few things. One of the things that we're kind of, sort of really keen to get people are, are the kind of questions which sort of work for them. So there's questions which I know work for me, like you kind of make reference there. I might be brave enough to ask that. One day you'll ask it and then you'll feel confident about doing it and you'll ask yeah. it again. Um, what would yeah. be I, one thing actually was just coming up when you were talking there. All of the needs analysis that you do, is that paid or unpaid? Well, it's a bit of both. I do I do what I need to do to be able to do a proposal, mm-hmm. um, but then I have to normally do some more afterwards. But for instance, I mean, usually there would be an hour's phone call um, pre pre sale um, to because they have to have such a level of trust in me. I guess I'm really building that building rapport as well as getting enough information that I can and I can work out what process is going to be needed. But then they, the client, I then need to craft a proposal that takes into account, and I have to warn the client about this, that the more I find out, the more it will shift. So mm-hmm. it's in stages. So it might be that, you know, stage one, I meet everyone in the team and then I learn a bit more and then, um, uh, but I can, I need enough to be able to at least do a, um, a, a rough kind of process um, and a rough proposal because the I suppose if I don't do that then there's an element of having to do day rate pricing which I mm-hmm. I don't really like doing I don't like kind of saying I don't I don't like leaving it kind of open-ended and just saying that this is the day rate so I, I want to be able to say we'll package it up I guess so it is tricky because it means um, if it's only you know a couple of days work or it's it is there's a lot of front-ended time time spent but it does mean that it's more likely to close the, the sales more likely to close because i've invested that time in building that relationship yeah. um and just I, out of curiosity yeah. when when you do ask about budget what percentage of time do they give you a budget just out of curiosity oh, that's a good question um most of the time they don't, but what they'd say is, they might say, um, it's I, what I really, the reason I find it helpful to ask is, uh, it's something about the kind of, I get, I get clues, I guess, from what they say. Yeah. So they might say, give, give me some options that some people say, like the ones that went to the, that went for the third, the highest kind of option, the two examples I gave were quite recent. Both of them had said to me, that tell me the kind of the, uh, give me options, including the, um, what, what do they, how do they put it? But, you know, bells and whistles, like including um, the stuff that would mean we can really embed long-term change. And they also indicated that, look, we're not interested in a quick fix. We want um, we want this to be kind of sustainable. Um, so they didn't actually give an amount. They said, give me options. And I guess I was aware that that's partly because they just don't know how much this stuff costs. Yeah. No one does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Yeah, but not. But yeah, it's rare that anyone would actually say X amount. Yeah, yeah, and then I, I kind of asked it because yeah, I mean, of course, we all want an idea of budget, and yeah. it is important to us because actually, if somebody does, because of course, everybody says I don't really know, which they don't. They may not know what it costs, but equally, everyone has an amount of money to spend. I think that's just another just point. Just yeah. want to just make sure we remember. Ultimately, all organisations have an amount of money that they can spend. 
So whatever you know, boldly is not blowing that out of the water, and all of a sudden they are spending money on you that they can't spend. They will only spend money on you that they can spend. Yeah. Um, and so, but the the question so. Understanding what a client wants to pay or can pay is clearly a huge part of it. Question like one sort of reference, what is the cost of not doing this? It kind of feels like quite a sort of direct and difficult question. And it is quite a direct and difficult question. I guess there are things that you can start exploring when you, and so the example I can just pick up on just because you referenced it, you know, the thing, if they're having a problem, say, with staff turnover, mm-hmm. you know, there are questions you could ask that put a financial figure to the cost of the turnover so you know and you know so like i was saying if you've got a problem with turnover 20 percent of your team are leaving each year okay you know what's the what does that cost you um and you know so you will get you will get a figure in there you know some of those things what are the costs of not doing it starting to get into those sorts of specifics will will give you some picture will give you some information they they will take practice right i think the whole the whole thing it's not like we have this call and thursday afternoon all of a sudden you are basically some sort of ninja who is sort of going to unpick all this sort of stuff it's more of a case you do the course and then you're a ninja <laughs> exactly exactly and, and kind of what i what i would say is a lot of these questions are things that we would, we are going to get into on the course. But one of the other things that is a really helpful thing, those those types of questions are really helpful. When the other thing that is helpful is when you say, you know, you have an idea about the type of what the, the likely means of the organization are, even before you have that conversation, because you can see what they're like, right? And so when you're having that conversation, we might say to them, can you give me an idea about budget? And they go, oh, you know, I don't know, you know, give me options, blah, 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 blah. You can say at that point, and this is where it is important to have an understanding of the means. Okay, so I will come back with uh, with options which are likely to range between this and this mm-hmm. and see how they respond because you will get a really clear idea then about what their, their means to pay are. And, you know, self-evidently, the, the range that you flag up at that point and, you know, this will feel awkward. I'm not going to pretend it's not because this is all gets into the crux of the money thing and why it's hard. But at that point, you say, you know, okay, for pro- for organisations like yours, for problems like this, mm-hmm. I've worked, I've done, I've come, you know, I've come, worked on, on projects which range from this to this, and if the from this to this doesn't